0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Have you noticed that the Christmas season is definitely in full swing? Have you noticed the trees are up? The wreaths are out on the door. The lights are being switched on. I don't know about you, but it almost seems like Christmas starts earlier and earlier and earlier each year. It feels like it was the middle of the year when the shops were just starting to put all their decorations in and, and trying to market towards us to not forget. I don't know about you, but I've got that one friend. I might use that term loosely. Daniel Smith. That one friend who keeps telling me from January how many sleeps it is until Christmas. Now, I like his enthusiasm, but let's face it, when you're starting with, hey, it's only 300 sleeps to go, and you hear it constantly after that, it does seem to wear a little bit thin. (coughs) Oh, that, you know what, the Christmas pageant, it's been and gone. I don't know about you, have you noticed that there's this expectation of celebration that's happening at around this time? You know, we've got a whole heap of events coming up. As we come up to Christmas, it means that the holidays are just around the corner, right? Anyone keen on holidays? Anyone looking forward to having a little bit of a holiday? We get to celebrate the year that was. We get to celebrate a new beginning. Now, over the Christmas season, we spend a lot of time and effort and money, I might add, to dress up our houses. We spend a lot of time and effort to deck the halls (coughs) for a very short period of time, really, because then January comes and after we've decked the halls, then everything comes down and gets packed back into its boxes and put aside and is there, ready for next year. And funnily enough, I think that we actually do the same thing with some of our behaviours. Over the Christmas period, we put some of our behaviours on show, we pull out some of those things and put them up only for January to come around and we take those behaviours away again and put them to one side. And you know what? I think that there are some behaviours this year that God is asking you to put up over the Christmas season, but then keep up for the remainder of the year. You see, you may have heard that a puppy isn't just for Christmas. It's for life. And you know what? Some of our behaviours, they're not just for Christmas. They are indeed for life. And so we're going to have a look at some of the behaviours over the next couple of weeks that shouldn't just be brought out at Christmas and put away, but some of the behaviours that we should be showing on an ongoing basis basis I don't know about you but has anyone here received any Christmas cards yet I have I've received some Christmas cards and they're obviously from far more organized people than me because it's certainly not something that I have planned to put together and I've received some cards already and some of them across the front say Merry Christmas well of course they do thank you so much Some of the cards I've received say, tis the season. Well, true, but when tisn't it the season? (laughs) And one of the cards that I received just recently, it said, peace on earth and goodwill to all men. And it started me thinking about this word, goodwill. What does it mean to have goodwill to all men? See, I don't know what you immediately think of when I say the word goodwill. For some of you, you think about that charitable organisation that takes clothing and uh, items when you decide to clean out your wardrobe. You know, I don't know. For me, I grew up with a saying, I look, give it to goodwill. And we'd take it, we'd box up everything that we didn't need, we'd take it, we'd find a collection point we'd drop it off. Now, to be honest with you, many of those collection points weren't actually goodwill. Boxes. It might have been the Salvos or any other charitable organisation, but for me, that word, goodwill, just automatically is, I need to give some things away. You know, there are some business people in this room, and goodwill has a very different meaning to business people. Goodwill is about the reputation of their business. Goodwill is actually an asset. In other words, if people were to buy a business, you actually pay some money to get hold of what's called the goodwill of the business. In other words, it's their customer base. It's their reputation that you pay money towards. It's what they call an intangible asset. It's something that's worth money. It's just not physical. And so for a business person, goodwill actually means something different. According to the Oxford Dictionary, goodwill is to be friendly, helpful, or have cooperative feelings or attitude. We would say, if we gave up our seat on a bus, that that's a gesture of goodwill. It's positive feelings that we have towards someone else. Now, Pastor Tony, a couple of weeks ago, was just mentioning from the front here that we actually live in the top 8% of the wealthiest people in the world. (coughs) And we shouldn't feel guilty about that because God has actually placed us here. But what we should feel is responsible for that. And so these feelings of goodwill often come to us at Christmas time and we decide we want to spread the wealth a little bit. We want to be able to bless other people like we have been blessed. For that Christmas card, it's interesting because it's actually straight Bible. It's actually straight scriptural quote in print sent all around the world. And it's probably one of the very few places in today's society that a Bible verse gets spread so broadly. The quote comes directly from the birth of Jesus, and we find it in Luke chapter 2. It says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid." Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Just think about it for a moment what it was like for these shepherds. It was night, they were out in the paddock, out in the field. The sheep would have been in a sheepfold. There might have been a few shepherds there together just having a good chat. Hey, did you find any good pastures? Where should I be taking my sheep? Where's the, where's the nice water? <laughs> and all of a sudden there's this angel that appears before them saying, Hey, I'm glad the angel said, do not be afraid. I mean, Scripture says the shepherds were afraid, but let's get a little bit real. They weren't just afraid. They would have been petrified. They're just shepherds. They're just young boys, really, out looking after some sheep. And all of a sudden, there's an angel there. And if one angel's not bad enough, imagine all of them together, all of them praising God, all of them saying, glory to God in the highest. Just imagine what that was like for a Middle Eastern shepherd boy some 2,000 years ago. Do not be afraid. I would definitely have been afraid. I'm really glad, and I'm sure the shepherd boys were even more glad, that the angels were there to express goodwill. Imagine if they weren't. Would have looked entirely different. And yet, these angels, this heavenly host was there, expressing God's goodwill towards them. And so today, we're going to have a look at this goodwill, what it is, and how we can apply it and not just put it up for Christmas, but keep it in our lives ongoingly. You see, the first thing I see is that goodwill starts with God. I don't know what your view of God is, but however you view God directly affects your relationship with Him. You see, if you see God as harsh and cruel, just waiting for you to step out of line so that He can discipline you, then that changes how you relate to Him. It means that if you do make a mistake, you're not going to go running to God You're going to go hiding from God. You see, if you see God as Father Christmas, you know, an old, jolly, slightly senile man who rocks up once a year and gives out a few presents, it directly affects how you view God. If you view God as distant or aloof, just setting the world in motion and then just stepping back just to see what happens, you might get the feeling that God doesn't really care. Or maybe you see God like the carrot and the stick. Remember those old cartoons where someone would be sitting in a buggy drawn by pulled along by a donkey and they'd have this long stick with a carrot on the end. And the donkey would follow the carrot, wanting a reward but never being able to get there. Because if you see God like that, then you might see God as manipulative and just trying to push you around but the truth that is revealed in the bible is none of those images the truth that's revealed in the bible is that god expresses goodwill towards us the angels were there actually declaring an eternal truth god wants the best for you god loves you god cares for you god wants to have relationship with you you see the blueprint for our relationship with God, starts all the way back in Genesis. You see, God created everything in six days just by speaking. The world was created, but not just any world, a perfect place for humanity. You see, God wasn't just about giving second best. God actually created the Garden of Eden Perfection on earth. Paradise on earth. And he placed Adam and Eve right in the middle of that. God's goodwill towards humanity was that he actually gave his very best in creation to us. (coughs) It says that God would come and walk with Adam in the cool of the evening. Imagine that. Intimate personal relationship with God you know we talk a lot about hey have you had an alone time with God have you gotten away with God and let him speak with you this week or more importantly every day but imagine what it was like for Adam every day in the cool of the evening God would be there himself the ultimate in alone time with God God didn't just wish Adam and Eve all the best He actually gave them the best for them to live in. And when Adam and Eve sinned, he still continued to show goodwill towards them. We know that our sin and God's glory don't mix. God could have just wiped them out. But he didn't do that. God's goodwill towards Adam and Eve was that even after they messed it up, He still closed them. He still put into place a plan of redemption for them. God's good will is displayed, not just in the New Testament, but it's eternal. It's through both the old and the new. You see, the reality is God gave Adam and Eve the best. God gave humanity the best place to be in. And when we messed that up and there were consequences and that perfection was lost. God still gave his very best of heaven. Jesus Christ himself, this goodwill towards us has always been shown in that he gives us his best. In Romans 8 verse 31 to 37, it says, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us and is sitting in the place of honour at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the Scriptures say, for your sake, we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. But no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. Come on, if we can't get a little bit excited about the good will of God towards us, we need to check our pulse this morning. This God doesn't look at us with anything other than love and compassion. The goodwill of God wanting to pour out upon us. There is no experience. There's no shortfall. There's no sin. There's nothing in our life that can stop the goodwill of God towards you. It's more than just feelings. God took active steps to demonstrate his goodwill towards us. It's because of his goodwill towards us that God operates from a platform of grace. See, grace has been defined in many different ways. But one way is it's the unmerited favour of God. There's nothing in me that deserves God's favour, but God gives it anyway. There's nothing in the natural me that deserves God's love, but God gives it anyway. There's nothing in me in the natural that's deserving of anything of God and yet he still gives me gifts and talents and abilities. He still speaks to me. It's the goodwill of God that he operates from this platform of grace. It's because of that grace that we are saved and that we have right standing. It's because of that grace that our behaviour is transformed. It's because of that grace that we have strength to endure It's because of the goodwill of God that he gives us the grace to live this life. You know, this Christmas, as we think about all the good things that have happened this year, let's not forget that it all started with the grace that God has shown us through his goodwill toward us. The second thing that I see about goodwill is that goodwill is actually a mirror to us. Who's ever gone out for a meal with someone? You're having a great time, chatting, laughing, having fun, and all of a sudden the person opposite you just says, hey, you've just got a little bit of food <laughs> on your face. Now, I don't know about you, maybe it's just me, and it's maybe it's just because I have no manners. But the first thing I always try and use to get that food off is my tongue. <laughs> I said, maybe it's just me. Invariably, the person on the other side of the table looks at me and shakes the head and says, it's still there. What you've just done is smeared it around a little bit. Okay. Invariably, the person opposite me says that will grabs their napkin and just says, Hey, let me get it. Now, right there, I'm I'm out. Because in my head, what I'm seeing is when I was very young, my mum rummaging around in the bottom of her handbag, trying to find a tissue that I I, I don't know how long it's been there. I don't know what else that tissue was used for. But my mum would pull out that tissue, and if that's not bad enough, she'd lick it and then wipe my face with it. This soggy old tissue that's been in the bottom of a handbag for... I don't know how... i, I got to tap out. I, I, I can't... I can't do it. You see, what I need is a mirror. What I need is to go to the bathroom and, and find a mirror and because the mirror shows me where the issue is and what the issue is. You see, I need that mirror to guide me and to help me, to show me what I need to do with the mess that's on my face. Personally, when I lose my goodwill towards someone, when I stop wanting the best for them, it highlights that there's something wrong in our relationship. It actually highlights normally there's something wrong with me. When I lose my goodwill towards someone, I need to find that mirror and I need to hold it up and say, okay, why have I lost that goodwill? Show me where I've lost my goodwill. Because what I normally find for me is that it's usually because there's an offence, a hurt. It's usually because I've got anger or resentment and where do all of those things show up? On my face. There's a saying, oh, look, it's written all over your face. And it's true. If I've lost my goodwill towards someone, it usually means something else is written all over my face. And I need the mirror of, the, of goodwill to show me what I'm actually missing. You know, it's bad enough when you're out and you've got some food on your face. It's far worse when you're out and there's guilt written all over your face or resentment or anger written all over our face. Goodwill is a mirror to us. It helps us see what we can't see for ourselves. Who here has ever been offended? Everyone. Who here has ever been offended by me? (laughs) It's true. We're all in the same boat here. We've all felt offended. We've all offended others. And we need to make sure that that offence isn't written all over our face. You see, in today's society, being offended is actually seen as the biggest sin. But it's not. You see, Jesus himself said in Luke 17 that it's impossible that no offences will come. You know what? Have you been offended? Of course. Have you offended others? Of course. The question is not, have you been offended? The question is, what are you doing with that offence? You see, the Bible is very clear about what we should do with that offence, and that is that we should forgive. In Matthew 18, verse 21 to 22, Then Peter came to him, that's Jesus, and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Seven. Peter thought he was actually being generous here. Peter thought, you know what? Seven is a lot. If someone sins against me seven times, that means that I've forgiven them six. Do I really have to forgive them a seventh? And the answer from Jesus is very clear. Yep. Yes, you do. You see, Jesus wasn't saying, hey, you need to forgive a certain number of times. But Jesus is actually saying, you need to forgive and keep on forgiving. As often as you are offended, forgive. As often as you offend others, ask for forgiveness. Jesus wasn't making a suggestion Jesus wasn't saying, hey, look, guys, if you get an opportunity too, if it's not too much trouble, hey, it would be great if you could get along, won't you just forgive? No, no, Jesus gave a very direct command. (coughs) Jesus commanded not only that we do forgive, but that we forgive continually and that we forgive quickly. Who's ever been to a social function maybe a party, maybe even a Christmas show, where there's someone in the room that you're fighting with. How awkward is that? Right? You end up at opposite sides of the room, usually, but because you know there's an issue, you might be engaged in a conversation here, but you're scanning. (laughs) Just to to know where they're at, who are they talking to, what am I going to have to do afterwards, what am I going to have to undo... Who do I need to follow up? <laughs> but it gets worse. Because you're scanning the room, your eyes meet. <laughs> and then you have to decide what to do quickly. Do you just vague out? <laughs> and, and try and pretend that you weren't looking? Do you just look away quickly? Move on. Nothing happened, nothing to see. Move along. It gets worse because it usually happens more than once. As you're chatting with someone, scan the room, oh, there they are again. And it gets to that point where you feel like you've got to do something, so you just give that aw- awkward head nod. Do you know how to fix that? Forgive. Actually have a conversation with someone. Go and talk with them. Forgive. Sort it out. Because all that awkwardness just gets fixed immediately. In Matthew 6, Jesus linked how much God forgives me with how much I forgive others. I don't know about you, but that's a challenge for me. Because there's, I know the stuff that I've done. I know that I don't want to put any limit on God's forgiveness towards me. And so therefore, there's the challenge then that I need to forgive others. Wow. Wow. Oh, but it's okay for Ashley, you're a pastor. Let me tell you, it is okay for me, but it's not because I'm a pastor. It's okay for me because I've decided that's what I need to do. And so, therefore, I have an action that needs to go with what I'm feeling. You see, forgiveness is not my natural tendency. My wife will tell you, I have a justice streak in me a mile wide. I get that from my father, who got that from his father. Everything in me cries out, No! Smite them, O oh mighty smiter! <laughs> but that's not God's word to me. God's word to me is, Forgive them. Forgive them. You see, offense that is not forgiven becomes bitterness. In Hebrews 12, 14, Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see God. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Offense unforgiven leads to bitterness. Bitterness. Scripture says bitterness is a root. That means it grows below the surface. And from below the surface, it corrupts the entire plant. Wow. Why do we forgive? It's not to let the other person off the hook. It's to make sure that there's no bitterness that can grow in me. Because when there's a root of bitterness, when there's something happening in me below the surface, I lose my goodwill towards people. And that root of bitterness needs to be dug out. And digging out any root is not pretty. It's messy. It involves a lot of work. It involves getting below the surface. Let's make sure Over this season, that we keep our goodwill, that we hold that mirror up to us so that we can grow, so that we can dig out those roots and so that we don't get bitter towards anyone else. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you those people that maybe you're just holding an offence against. I promise you, it's not easy. It is worth it. It is biblical. And God always meets us where we are at. He can't meet us where we want to be. We're not there. He can't meet us where we pretend to be. We're not there. He can't meet us where we project. We're not there. He always meets us where we're at. And we can allow his forgiveness to enter into our lives so that we can forgive others and keep our goodwill toward them. Amen? Amen. Last thing, goodwill is a witness to the world. My experience is that goodwill is actually a gateway. When I'm feeling goodwill towards someone, when I'm feeling goodwill towards Andre, it's easier for me to care for Andre. If I'm feeling goodwill to Andre, it's easier for me to love Andre. It's easier for me to forgive Andre. No, that wouldn't happen. It's easier for me, or actually it's easier for us to work together at the church in sync to fulfil what God is calling us to. See, goodwill is a gateway. When I don't have goodwill towards someone, all of those things aren't hard. All of those things are impossible. If I don't have goodwill towards Andre, I don't care for Andre. If I don't feel goodwill towards someone, I don't love them. I don't look after them. See, goodwill is a gateway. And so knowing where our good will is at, actually really helps with our relationships. In John 13, Jesus was saying, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. <coughs> Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. When Jesus spoke these words, he was actually predicting his betrayal by Judas. He was actually right at the very end of his earthly ministry. And he says, hey, a new commandment I give you. Now, in one sense, it's not a new commandment. It's the same commandment that he'd been saying all the way along. Love each other. Show God to each other. Show kindness, compassion to each other. It was the same command. But as his earthly ministry was coming to a close, he was just about to go to the cross and demonstrate love in a different way to anything that he'd actually been talking about before. And so in a sense, the command was new because he wanted to convey to his disciples what was most important. You notice that Jesus said, it's by your love that the world will know you are my disciple. He didn't say, by your love, other Christians will know. That you are my disciple. He didn't say, by your love, church will know that you are my disciple. He said, by your love for each other, the whole world will know that you are my disciple. You see, we have an opportunity of displaying God's will to this world through the love that we have for each other and for the people. Of this world. In Matthew 5, in the message, it says, Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it you're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in this world. God is not a secret to be kept. You see, how we conduct ourselves outside of these walls is meant to shine Christ's light to this community. It's a massive point of difference when we show goodwill to everyone that we meet. If you show goodwill to the checkout person at five o'clock in the afternoon, it makes a massive difference. Just saying thank you makes a massive difference to, pardon me, the waiter or the waitress in the restaurant who's been serving you all night. You see, our goodwill towards everyone becomes a witness to the world. In this Christmas season, let's not not let the busyness of life, the stress, the hassle that sometimes creeps in Stop us from expressing God's good will to everyone that we meet. As the band comes, and in conclusion today, over the Christmas period, we deck the halls. We decorate our houses. But we take the decorations back down again in January with our behaviours. God is actually calling us, put some on this Christmas, absolutely. Let's give our best this Christmas, absolutely. But let's not stop giving our best once the new year comes around. This year, let's make goodwill something that we don't just put up. Let's make goodwill not just for Christmas, let's make it for life. Because when we do that, we show how God sees us. We reflect His glory. It helps us grow by holding up that mirror and pointing out where we need to change. And it shows Jesus to this world that so desperately needs Him. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.